0: Well, first of all, Sandy, thank you very much for, um, meeting me this morning to discuss Mm -hmm. your experiences with neighborhood change, with the LRT coming and and so on. And you started just before we turned on the the tape saying, um, you live on Dietz in an apartment that's going to be bought up or is bought up for the Westmount uh, place development. So maybe you can just tell me a little about that. Tell me about where you live and and we use that as a starting point Mm -hmm. for the, for the conversation.
1: So, I've been living in this apartment building for almost 10 years now, and that's the longest I've ever lived in one location my entire yeah. life, and so it's the first place that I've lived in that has actually felt like a home to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's eight units in the building, and of those eight units, I'm one of the newer residences. Right. So, the Supers have been in that building for over 30 years. Um, And so I've been quite happy there. I kind of saw myself living there for the foreseeable future Mm because it really feels like a home to me. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Then last spring, uh, there was news about the um, company buying out the Westmount Plaza and the land up to Herb from there. And at first we thought that might be neat. Who knows what the development would bring, that sort of thing. But then in the summer of last year, uh, we got word that they bought the building next to us. So the building next to us is a duplicate of what we live in, but it was converted to student housing ages ago. So nobody's going to be losing their home there. But we knew as soon as that happened that, with the money these this company was offering the landlords, there was no way our landlord was going to turn that down. So we knew, and sure enough, just a little while later, our land was also our property was also bought. So we had to. Stand by and watch people walk through our apartments, our homes, and, you know, assess the value of it and mark it down and all that sort of stuff as we're sitting there like, this is our home. Mm -hmm. Like, it is our home that Mm -hmm. will be taken from us. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we're at now, right now. That company's in the process of getting the property or the plans approved. So nothing's happened yet. Um, They haven't tried to kick us out early. They're not going to do that. Why would they? Mm -hmm. They're going to make money from the property while they're waiting, so they might as well keep us there as long as possible. And we will get notice when the time comes, but we have no idea when that's going to happen.
2: Hmm.
1: So we're really left kind of wondering, planning, what's next. But the biggest fear is, since I've been there for almost 10 years, my rent has been... Kept at a reasonable level, and I can manage it. Mm-hmm. As soon as we are forced out, my rent's going to go up four to six hundred dollars a month.
0: Just by moving to another place, okay?
1: Because that's the market right mm-hmm. of a one to two bedroom apartment in this area.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and not only that, at my current location, everything is included: hydros included, parkings included. It's really great that way. Mm-hmm. And most of the places that I've been looking at, the rent is. Going to be four hundred, five hundred dollars more, plus hydro, plus parking. So right. it's really, I'm looking at that like I don't see how I can afford that
2: mm-hmm.
1: at all. Mm-hmm. And in my life, you know, I've worked hard to get to where I'm at. I used to live in poverty. I've been homeless in Toronto, actually, because I couldn't afford an apartment there either. Mm-hmm. Because I had to go on um, Ontario Works. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the maximum amount they would give me is $520 a month. My rent for a bachelor was 650 yeah. And so then they said they won't give me the money because I'm living above my means. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to live in a bachelor. Mm-hmm. And so I worked my way out of that. I got a full-time job. Was able to pay off my debts got to a comfortable place, had a little bit of a savings and finally found a nice balance in my life. And my apartment is far from perfect, but I've really kind of made it my own. Mm -hmm. Like in the summer it gets gross hot Mm -hmm. and there's way too many spiders. (laughs) I'm not a fan of spiders. But other than that, I couldn't imagine living anywhere else right now because it's not just the building, it's the people. Mm -hmm. Um, My Supers are fantastic. If they saw my car, home more than one day in a row when they know I should be working, they would actually call and check in and make sure everything was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when my father passed away in Alberta, I didn't have to worry. They would look after my cats, they would look after my apartment because mm-hmm. I had to suddenly go there for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you always have the neighbors looking out for each other, we get along well, so it's hard to find that as well. Mm-hmm. To have good neighbors and a good building in a good location. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't ask for anything more than that mm-hmm.
0: yeah what um what other type of people live in your in your building
1: uh, uh there's two couples uh so the supers they're a couple, and then a couple moved in about two years ago for pretty much the same reason um the building they had been living in for ten years got bought and they got evicted right for the same type of thing. And so then they moved to our building, and now it's happening to them all over again. Mm. Um, We're all adults. There's no students in the building. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a friend who lives in the building. And other than that, it's uh, single people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're all professionals. We all work. But with the way the market is going up and the cost of rent and everything, a full-time job... Just doesn't cut it anymore
0: yeah. yeah what kind of work do you do at the moment
1: um, I currently left my job uh, because I have other ambitions in the near future okay uh, but I was doing um, I was working in an office and I was getting paid a living wage for this area, so not minimum wage but mm-hmm. a living wage mm-hmm. and with that, I could comfortably afford everything yeah uh, but the reality is is once I'm forced to move I'll have to be making a lot more than that mm-hmm. in order to just get back to something similar to what I currently have.
0: Yeah. Is there a big gap between the minimum wage and a living wage in what are the regions? Um,
1: no the living wage is 1650. okay and I was making just slightly above that and then minimum wage is 14. Yeah um, but I'd have to be making over20 dollars an hour. If I'm, when I'm forced to move Mm -hmm. and I find looking for work, there's also a weird wage gap. They either want to pay you around minimum wage or you're a specialist and a professional Mm -hmm. and you get paid, you know, $25 or something. And so that in between, it's actually really hard to find a job that pays 17, 19, 20, $22. It's actually extremely hard to find a job that pays that much.
0: Yeah. And w- the, so the company, the developing the developer, bought your building along with mm-hmm. the entire yep. plaza and and the buildings all the way up mm-hmm. to the corner. Is that?
1: Yeah. So on Herb, from Dietz to Herb, uh, Westmount on Herb, um, there's some houses that have been boarded up, and they've been boarded up for years now. Yeah. They were student housing. Okay. So. I guess uh, the people who used to own Sunlight Financial probably knew at some point they would be developing it and just didn't want to deal with students all the time. Yeah. Uh, so the new developers came in. They bought the plaza and the land up to Herb, and then they just tacked on our area mm-hmm. last year.
0: Okay. Have you noticed any any changes in the apartment since ownership changed?
1: No, they actually have our former landlords still kind of looking after the property. Mm-hmm. So they're not actively involved. Like, we still even pay our former landlords.
0: Okay.
1: And um, I imagine they get, you know, compensated for their work. <laughs> <laughs> it's not much in the way of work, but yeah. they would get compensated. So <clears throat> yeah. right now we're just in this state of limbo because we don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. We don't know when we'll be forced out. Um, they will give us 120 days notice when the time comes, but we don't know when that time will come. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to plan because for the next year, I need to stay where I'm at because mm-hmm. of my my ambitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It'd be very hard to pursue that and also have to try to find a place to live.
0: Right. What What kind of ambitions are you? Are, I'm
1: hoping to be a candidate in the federal election. Okay. And I'm still going through the vetting process. Okay. So that will be for a crazy year ahead of me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Which would make it very difficult to also find
0: it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you stay independent or as a, uh, for a party? Or? It's for a party. Yeah. Okay.
1: The vetting process is just taking a lot longer than they would like. Okay. Uh, so I'm just kind of waiting on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then from there, because I took a risk when I left my job. And I left my job because the environment there was just getting too bad. Mm -hmm. I had been with the company for eight and a half years. And change in ownership, change in just the retail market. I was at the head office of a retail company, and retail these days is also struggling. Mm -hmm. So I had some savings and stuff, so I thought I'd take some time off to just kind of focus on... My potential run, mm-hmm. so if I was forced to try to find a new apartment now, no one would accept me because mm-hmm. I don't have a job mm-hmm. so yeah. just trying to find an apartment now would be virtually impossible,
2: yeah,
1: um, but I took that risk because we've been sort of told that we have a minimum one year before mm-hmm. we should really start to worry about our place being torn down, okay, but. There's no way to know. Yeah. There, there is no plan. They're in the approval process right now for their plans. Mm-hmm. And so other permits and stuff, who knows how long it could be. Mm-hmm. It could be three years. It could be in two months we get our notice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: And has there ever been talk of, oh, you you can stay, like you can move into one of our new like developments, or is that never...
1: They've never offered that but I'm pretty sure I might have a legal right to it. Sorry? I I might have a legal right to something along that lines. I don't know, I have to look more into Mm -hmm. what we're legally allowed, but it's not something they've offered. Mm -hmm. Um, They've also tried to have us sign something, basically stating that we agreed not to pursue anything like that. Okay. Which I didn't sign.
0: Did anyone sign you know of?
1: Um, well, there has been... Some people in the building did sign. Because um, some people have just kind of realized that this isn't worth the yeah. Um, My supers who have been there for 30 plus years, uh, they have family up north, and they just ended up buying a house up north. And they'll probably be moving there later this year. Because mm. they're basically going into early retirement. Because mm-hmm. they also can't afford to live anywhere else in Waterloo mm-hmm. or Kitchener. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're looking at. I'm pretty sure the other couple that just moved in from for the same reason, they'll want to fight. Mm-hmm. My friend in the building, he wants to fight, but I we're, he doesn't know what chance we have.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's worried about that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's all the little things there too, because we are in such a great location.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's been silly, but The past week, when I look out the back window, because I'm on the top floor, I can see into the backyards of the houses on Herb. I've seen this little groundhog Hmm. running around recently. And then I wonder, it's like, so when they come, do they just kill these animals? (laughs) Like, do they bother trying to trap these animals? Or do they just die?
2: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Because there's also this little red squirrel that lives in the area, He's hilarious to watch because he's half the size of the black squirrels, but you will always see this little red squirrel terrorizing them, Mm -hmm. chasing them around and stuff. And it's just because there are a lot of trees on our property, and I'm just like these animals that live there. I know it seems like such a minor detail, but Mm -hmm. they probably won't bother trying to trap them ahead of time to move them to a different location. Mm -hmm. And so if they don't run when the noise starts, they probably just die.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's weird to think that, too. I don't know. Because, um, yeah, I, I've i lived there for so long now, and even as a child, we moved around a few times
2: mm-hmm.
1: in the same city, for the most part. Uh, so this is the longest I've ever stayed in one place, and... For the first few years, I didn't think I'd be staying here this long. But then, after a while, it really—this just became my home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I can't imagine going anywhere else. As I say, I don't need anything bigger, but I don't want anything smaller.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. it's the perfect size for me. Um, I can handle the rent when I'm employed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's the thing, should I, should the political aspect not work out, I'm fairly certain I can still find a decent job. My skills are quite marketable. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: so I'm not too worried about that. Everything is just temporary, but it's just everything is in flux all at once, so it gets a little overwhelming.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Obviously the, if if the building is eventually going to come down if things are breaking like are are they still getting repaired or is, uh, have you had any instances um, of like maintenance work needing to be
1: done or ownership has only changed since last summer and there hasn't been any issues okay. really uh, like the former landlords were pretty good mm-hmm. you know if the bridge was broken and stuff and that's who we'd be contacting again still. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't imagine they would do any major renovations (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Uh, if something came up, like they'd they'd do little quick fixes and things of that sort. I don't imagine they'd be doing any detailed hard work Mm -hmm. on the building, because it will be going down. And I know at first when they bought it, there was speculation of, well, maybe. And I knew that for the price they were paying for our property, there was no way they were going to keep up a building that wasn't even making them $10,000 a month.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah. and that's the thing, there has been a lot of speculation and stuff lately. And the thing is, is even if they do offer us a unit, my friend who lives in the building, I don't think he wants to stay there because the traffic already on that corner, on those streets mm-hmm. is crazy. Mm-hmm. So you add 600 units plus business, um, because they're going to have business units plus 600 apartments. Mm -hmm. So, you know, about 1,000 people move in, more, um, plus the business units during the day. Mm -hmm. And those corners already have a lot of accidents on it. I can hear them from my apartment.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, if you're ever driving down Herb, right on the corner of Deeds and Herb, you'll see a blue telephone post. And that's because a couple years ago, a guy riding a motorcycle slammed into the side of a minivan and died on the street there. Hmm. And his favorite color was blue. So his loved ones come by and they paint the telephone post blue and they keep it that way. Wow. And they have for a while. Wow. Because I remember that I actually came across the accident scene when the police were there. Okay. Which was pretty um, impactful. Yeah. You don't normally see a body on the street. Yeah. So traffic is already pretty insane there. So trying to put up a complex like that on that corner, it just it seems like more accidents to come. Mm-hmm. More issues. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so
0: some people might say that's a perfect spot for a big development, though mm-hmm. because it's, I mean, it's relatively close to the LRT, I and mean, it's still a mm-hmm. bit of a walk but it's quite central, Um, it's close to the park, like it has amenities there. Um, Yeah,
1: yeah, it would only be a 10-minute walk to the LRT. Mm -hmm. Like it is pretty much in the path of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, you have Waterloo Park, you're just a short walk from Uptown Waterloo, uh, you're a short walk to the University of Waterloo. Mm -hmm. So in some aspects, yes, that is an ideal spot for it, but in other aspects, the... (sighs) You know, when they built the city, who knows how long ago, they never were imagining this type of congestion, this type of uh, infrastructure being built up. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of the streets the way they are currently. There'd be a lot of cars on the road, a lot of choke points, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot more accidents
2: mm-hmm.
1: probably on that corner.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. uh, it is, and that's the thing, I've never taken my place for granted mm-hmm. when I moved there. I... I always felt very fortunate I came across it when I did.
0: Mm-hmm. Why Why didn't you take it for, like, what was it about the place that you, you didn't take for granted?
1: Like I said, I've lived in a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. Been in the shelter system. I've been in really crappy apartments before. So when I got this one, like I said, even though it's not perfect, to me it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I would never take for granted the fact that I have. It's a two-bedroom apartment, which again, suits all my needs perfectly in a fantastic location with great neighbors. like mm-hmm. That's not just something I know is available everywhere. I mm-hmm. know that type of thing is extraordinarily hard to come by. Mm-hmm. So when I got there, I was just very, I felt very, very fortunate that I found it when I did.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, I mean, there's a lot of development going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uptown Waterloo in particular, downtown Kitchener even even more so, there's a lot of changes happening. And maybe it's a good spot to sort of transition into your thoughts about you know, moving beyond the, your house and your street and, and mm-hmm. so on to the wider changes that are taking place in the city. What are your thoughts about...
1: I'm all for development. I, I know the construction of the LRT was annoying, mm-hmm. especially for people who had to certain intersections that seemed like they were under construction for like two years but I also feel that you know once the LRT is up and going a few years from now we will forget what it was like beforehand Um, I think development is good you know it helps people the biggest concern I have is that they're taking down all the affordable kind of middle class units houses and they're not replacing them with anything so When we're forced to move, there's getting to be fewer and fewer places that we can actually go and still stay in the region. Mm -hmm.
0: And when you say we, who do you mean by we?
1: Like the other people in my building? Yeah. Uh, Because, like, even now the rent is a bit tricky for me to... It's high. Mm -hmm. But I've always been able to manage it. I've never been late on rent. And there seems to be a lot more apartments just kind of lacking that middle ground. Like, from here, if you want affordable housing, what affordable housing means to a lot of the politicians and a lot of people is like, well, you can rent this basement for $400. And that might be affordable to somebody who's in need, who's desperate, who is on Ontario Works or something of that sort, but for people in the middle class, it's not really that much of an option, Mm -hmm. especially if you have a family or kids, something of that sort, Mm -hmm. because there's just this widening gap as to the type of housing that you can move in. Either you move into what's considered affordable and put up with the fact that there might not be hot water every now and then, or the elevators in the building won't work and stuff, because I, tutor English to a woman in a building not too far from me. And it's probably considered affordable housing. (laughs) But many, many times I go over there and it's a multi, like a high-rise, they Mm. need an elevator. Often the elevator isn't working or they've had hot water off and there's lots and lots of issues with that building. Mm. Because I was once told that the running theory is Developers don't want to put money into projects that won't get them the absolute highest amount back. So developers don't want to put money into a project that would have that middle class affordable housing range
2: hmm.
1: when they could potentially make it higher. Mm-hmm. And but at some point they're going to run out of a market because even right now there's a big condo complex that went up five years or so ago on the corner of Urban Westmount. And I'm pretty sure they've never removed the banner where it says you can move in now. (laughs) Because all these buildings are going up. Like, I look around and sometimes I'm surprised in Waterloo from when I first moved there. Mm. There's so many high-rise apartment buildings and they can't all be filled all the time. And instead of offering it to maybe... to make it affordable housing, they just are left vacant. And I've heard from other people too, the people who would live in these buildings and pay full rent, how they would feel it's not right if then some apartments there were subsidized. So if they're paying full rent, how dare another person come in and get away with paying half the rent. Mm -hmm. And I can sort of understand that But at the same time, it's like, well, it's the fault of the city. Because if there was more affordable housing, if there was areas that people could go and live in, then we wouldn't have to. Mm. But they're really squeezing us out, so Mm. it would be nice. But that's not even mandatory.
2: Mm.
1: (laughs) I think that was a suggestion by the government at one point to have 5% of buildings to be affordable housing. Mm -hmm. But it was just a suggestion
0: yeah, I don't know what's happening with this inclusionary zoning. It's mm-hmm. all up in the air, and at, at the moment it's not it's not required. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what for you is affordable housing? Because it's a term that it's you know everyone uses it, but it, it, it has different meanings for different people. so what what would be a definition or what would be a, a sort of the framework of affordable housing in your view?
1: Where if you have a full-time job, you can afford to pay rent in your bills. And still have a little extra to put towards savings or to do some of the things you enjoy in life. Mm -hmm. You know, like to me, where I live is affordable because of that. Mm -hmm. Because I've never really had to worry about paying my rent. Um, And I've had that little extra, so I was able to get a little bit of a savings and live comfortably. Mm -hmm. And again, that's why I've never taken where I've lived for granted, because... I've been in lots of situations before, especially when I was living in poverty where every month you, your stomach is in knots because you don't know if anything goes wrong, then you won't have enough money for rent. Mm-hmm. And so for me, affordable housing is just, even if you live off the system, if you're on disability, if you're on Ontario Works, to have housing that doesn't take the entirety of your check. Mm-hmm. And for the middle-class people who work full-time jobs, again, just for their rent, not to take the entirety of their paychecks. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And do you know people where that's the case, where they spend a very high percentage of their? Like it sounds like you're you're in a good spot. You you yeah. don't pay, you know, you pay a percentage that you can you can afford mm-hmm. to do other things as well. But do you know people where they pay a very high percentage of their paychecks in rent? Is that
1: Uh, somebody on disability right now gets me, uh, I believe it's around Mm $1,200. My rent is 900. Yeah. And that's inclusive. So you'd be left with $300. Yeah. For every other thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've interviewed people who get even less than that. Like a single, Mm -hmm. single man on ODSP is like 800 or something. Yeah. It's
1: a lot less than that. and,
0: And, um, Paying six hundred a month for,
1: mm-hmm.
0: for a room in a mm-hmm. rooming house, essentially. And
1: I used to rely solely on disability, before I got the job that I had. Mm-hmm. And it was like it takes eighty to ninety percent of your disability check, and then from there it's yeah. What you do for groceries? Yeah. Like at that time, I didn't have a car, but then you still need a bus pass or something mm-hmm. to get around. Um. If anything comes up, then you're really left in a hole. Like, Even the things, because I have experience with property, there's a lot of things that people don't understand. So, if you can't even afford a bus pass on top of what you have, well, people are like, oh, well, there's the food bank and there's all this that you can do. How are they supposed to get there
2: mm-hmm.
1: if they can't even afford bus fare? Like, Food banks are not necessarily accessible
2: mm-hmm.
1: to people who don't have transportation.
2: Yeah.
1: And, Everything is more expensive when you live in poverty. Because the instant you don't pay your phone bill on time, they'll cut it off and charge you another $50 to put it back on. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And during that time, you're in a panic because you can't use your phone. So if something happens, you can't call anyone. If you're waiting to hear back from a job opportunity, you're not going to get that call. And it's really... It's so disheartening because nobody grows up wanting to be in these positions. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Nobody grows up thinking, I'm going to live off a disability for the rest of my life. You know, you want to be productive. You want to have a life. You want to contribute to the community around you Mm -hmm. and feel like you're part of something. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why I've always done a lot of volunteer work. Even uh, before I had my job, I would do volunteer work, and I do a lot of volunteer work now because... In fact, I do more volunteer work now because I can. I can afford to travel to the different places to go or to get the coffee when I go out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I tend to give back more when you're not in constant panic of, how am I going to pay my rent? Mm
0: So how did how did you make that transition, out of poverty into having a job and a?
1: I caught day. a break. Um, I used to do improv in okay. the area, and so I had been doing improv for a couple of years, and then uh, somebody from the improv troupe asked me if I was still looking for a job, because at that point I was with a temp agency and I had been working at. Uh, research in motion back when it was still called that through the temp agency. And so there I thought I was going to be okay. And I was just getting paid minimum wage at the place that I was living at at the time. I thought I'd be okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then, and the people there, they constantly promised me, it's like, oh no, we're going to keep you for a while and that sort of thing. Which is part of the reason why I moved up to Waterloo was so I could be closer to work. Mm -hmm. A month after I moved up to Waterloo, I got notice from HR stating that they couldn't keep a temp over a year. Hmm. So then suddenly I was going to be out of a job. But then that was the time where second career was a thing. Uh, so the government would help pay for you to get an education, a short education to help you get back into the job market. And I signed up for that. But the program I went into was a uh, ripoff, hmm. And I could tell that pretty early on that what they were promising is not what they were going to deliver mm-hmm. and halfway through that program that's when my friend in improv asked me if I was still looking for a job and I'm like yes and it just so happened in his company where I was ended up there was an opening and he knew that I probably wouldn't know the exact duties of what this position did but I had all the skills needed for it mm-hmm. and I went into the interview and I got it and that was the break I needed wow. Because, and it was so strange for the first while while I was there, because the idea of paid sick days was just such a foreign concept to me. Hmm. Because back when you work through placement agencies and stuff, if you're sick, you don't work, you don't get paid. Mm -hmm. And so you're constantly being forced to go into work sick, because you can't afford to have less in your paycheck, because you're always living paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. Paid vacation days, again, just blew my mind. (laughs) That It's like, what, I can take a day off and and still come back and everything's okay? Mm -hmm. And from there, I was able to budget things out, pay off my uh, ancient student loans, um, which was causing a horrendous amount of stress. But once that financial pinch was taken off of me, I was able to really start... Focusing on me and getting better and finding a balance and, you know, getting proper medication for my depression, um, finding good counseling, Mm -hmm. things of that sort to find a nice balance. And, like, that's the other thing I worry about is that all of this might, at some point, get to be too much and start stretching me to the point where I end up back where I was. And that's Mm -hmm. a scary thought for me. Mm -hmm. But it really was just that one break. Because the reality is my resume on itself is not necessarily impressive because it says the exact same thing as every other resume would say. Mm-hmm. I have strong Excel skills. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things that unless I can really show it and demonstrate it, that it's hard for me to get my foot through the door. So since I knew someone, mm-hmm. I was able to get in. But Luckily, since I've been there for eight and a half years and really developed those skills even further, um, I don't believe it will be as difficult Because I've proven, you know, I can be loyal to a company and uh, my Excel skills became a lot more than good. (laughs) Uh, And those are transferable skills, so I'm in a better position now than I was then. Mm -hmm. And I have friends now who are supportive, uh, but still it's just the thought of losing everything again. Because back when I was living in Toronto and I had my bachelor, it was in my early 20s. 21, 22, and to suddenly then have everything you own be boxed up, your pets taken away, and being dropped off at the psych ward of a hospital on your own, where you lose everything, and have to work your way back up from there. It's hard to think about that happening again. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I know it will never be that bad again. Mm -hmm. Because now I do have more supports. I am in a better mental state. Uh, You know, I have more marketable skills than I did back then. But it's just a reminder. And then it really makes me feel for other people because I never want anyone to go through that. Mm -hmm. And I know other people who haven't been through that will go through that because of gentrification. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that for anyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask about gentrification. I tend not to mm-hmm. ask about it too early and mm-hmm. see if people actually bring it up and, and talk about it um, as something that they, um, you know, that they that they experience. But maybe before we get into that specifically, like what. in your whole situation you've been describing and, and, and that. what role does, does housing play in that? Maybe it's a, a good starting
1: point. Like- it's the uh, pyramid of needs. Um, they talk about the first thing you need is uh, food and shelter and then you can start working on the other things. Mm-hmm. And so, shelter is at the, it's one of the things at the top of the pyramid. If you don't have a safe, secure place to live then it's very hard to focus and work on anything else. Mm -hmm. So people who are struggling to keep roofs over their heads, that's their focus. They can't focus on finding a good counselor for them. They can't focus on maybe going back to school and getting better job skills. They can't focus on a lot of their regular needs because their primary focus is having a place to stay. And when you have that, when you have that stability, you're able to contribute so much more to the community, to work on yourself, to help others. And so without affordable housing in this region, it's really just going to start forcing people out. Because we are running out of places where there is affordable housing in KW. Mm -hmm.
2: And,
1: you know, I've seen people in this area who still live in poverty. You know, you see them on the streets. Saw a tent not too long ago over near the highway. Because, like what can you do with your life if you're forced to live out of a tent by the road?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's it's the simple things again. Um, you don't have a mailing address. It becomes very difficult. Uh, I don't know if it's still the same, but back when I was first into the shelter system in Toronto, even though I was still technically on Ontario Works, they said that they would cut me off again because I didn't have a mailing address. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's still the same. Um, but it, it's just having that place, and then you can there'd be less trips to the hospital for people because you're in a better environment where you can stay healthy physically, mentally. So it would actually save a ton on health care. mm mm-hmm if everyone was just allowed affordable housing. And it would keep the streets safer. I don't understand why it's so difficult for people to understand this. Because, again, nobody wants to live in those situations. When I was in the shelter, nobody was thinking I have it made here. because, for one thing, all of your rights are stripped away, you know. You have a curfew suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, they can do random checks in your place at any time. There are people around you who do deal in drugs. You know, like, it's not necessarily... They would try to keep it... As much as they could, they would keep it safe for you, but it, it could get difficult at times. And so just having a place to call your own where you can go and you can keep your stuff, you know it's not going to get stolen, to have that safety, it benefits society on so many levels if everyone can have a place to live. Mm-hmm. And it's still so hard for people to really kind of grasp and understand that. But since I've lived on both sides of the equation, it's easy for me to see. Mm-hmm.
0: So maybe now coming to the the topic of gentrification, which you mentioned a few minutes ago, what what does that mean to you? What is gentrification in your eyes?
1: It's uh, basically changing uh, the culture of a city in different areas, um, which often becomes unaffordable to the people who currently live there it's almost like a forced cultural change Mm -hmm. because they have all these new high-rise apartment buildings coming up. There's um, the Bauer Towers not too far from me too that went up recently. Mm -hmm. And these are high-priced rental units because they're trying to get that and then the higher-priced stores start moving in, the higher-priced restaurants start moving in. And so even if you are able to kind of keep a grab on affordable housing in that area you can't shop or eat near yourself anymore hmm. because everything keeps on going up in price hmm. okay.
0: Tell me a little bit more about that because that's it's it's quite interesting because there's you know some of the academic literature on gentrification and displacement talks about exactly what you describe in terms of if you're not you've, you've got a place to live you're not physically displaced but things change around you mm-hmm. so I want to try and understand that a little bit more also because I don't think you know in some of the metrics that the region and, and and other governments have like monitoring displacement that kind of sentiment doesn't come up because you can't measure that in a statistic yeah so tell me a bit more about what that about about that
1: uh, if you have an affordable home or apartment and you can't afford a car, the best case scenario is you find a job where you can walk to. But if the culture starts to shift to places where you're unable to get a job, then that could partly force you out. If you can't walk to an affordable grocery store, if you can't walk to affordable clothing stores or just to get your daily needs, like right now, there still is affordable grocery stores near me, Mm -hmm. because there's uh, Waterloo Town Square, there's the Value Mart there and Mm -hmm. stuff, so if I had to walk to get groceries, it's doable. Mm -hmm. But when everything starts to change around you, and the people start to change around you, because like I said, with my apartment building, it's our little community too, it's my neighbors. Mm -hmm. And I often find that the higher place, the more higher price places get the more distant people get from their neighbors Hmm. because when I look at those big apartment buildings I'm wondering how many people there even know who their neighbors are on their floor Hmm. and so suddenly you start feeling unwelcome in the neighborhood you've always lived in because again it would be that feeling of if by some chance I was able to Get an apartment in this new building. If people found out that I wasn't paying the same as them, I'd get a cold shoulder. I wouldn't necessarily feel welcomed by my neighbors. Mm -hmm. Or for some people, you know, trying to walk into some of these stores and stuff and have the staff look at them like, you don't belong here. And after a while, you just get alienated from the area and that's another reason why you would want to move is just to get back to something that is familiar.
0: Is that something you're experiencing now? In It's not water? bad right
1: now. Um, if anything it's been quieter the past few years since they boarded up the houses from the students. Because mm-hmm. I remember every September it would always be this wait and see like how bad will the students be around here. Because they would party late at night and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, And down the rest of Herb is also still mostly student housing on the one side. Mm -hmm. And so I would imagine that this is just the start of a tree, like a branching. So you have this, and eventually it's going to keep on branching down the street. Mm -hmm. I would imagine, anyway. With new
0: development, you mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think if you Mm -hmm. look at the city's plans, Mm -hmm. Herb Street is earmarked Mm -hmm. to see more intensification and, and more development.
1: And so then that's the other thing. Where do these students go to get affordable housing? Yeah. Because I've been a student. Housing wasn't the greatest. Yeah. But all these new fancy buildings going up, how are the students supposed to pay for it? Mm -hmm. Like, I've never begrudged the students for living there, so sometimes, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, you shouldn't be having a raging party (laughs) in a residential area. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, like, right now, it's still fine. I'm still close to the park. I'm Uptown Waterloo still has a lot of... I love doing things locally. I love supporting local businesses. Um, So I'll go to the coffee shops and stuff still, or the little restaurants. But there are some clothing stores in Uptown Waterloo, and I look at some of the things there, and I can never afford to shop there. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for me to support some local businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, And since I still have my neighbors in my building, it's easy. Mm hmm but once that gets broken up, who knows?
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe talk me through some of the changes. You've been, what, almost 10 years? Mm-hmm. Um, and within 10 minutes from Uptown Waterloo. So maybe talk me through, like, that part of Waterloo, where you are in, in Uptown and sort of that general area of Waterloo. How has that changed in the last 10 years?
1: I remember where the Delta Hotel is, back when it was just an empty field. I actually took a picture there once because in the middle of this empty field was a fire hydrant, which I just thought was hilarious in the (laughs) middle of the field. Um, So you have the Delta Hotel went up, the towers of the uh, apartment buildings there, the condo across the street. That's all been in the past not even 10 years. Mm -hmm. It's been a lot shorter than that. It would be like the last five years, six years. Um, The construction of the LRT Because that closed down the corner of uh, Bridgeport and Caroline for almost like two years Mm -hmm. which was just a headache because everyone who lived on Herb would have to go buy that almost daily. Mm -hmm. Um, The shops in Uptown Waterloo, they tend to rotate. Um, You know, you get used to a nice little place but then suddenly it disappears. There was mm-hmm. a bakery there once. It's gone. I hope the chippery stays there because I love it.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: there's been more kind of restaurants put in there. I think mm-hmm. uh, there's a McCabe's there now. Uh, so the Uptown core has stayed fairly similar. Um, the Waterloo Town Square, there used to be a coffee shop in there that got taken out. Um, but there's a couple of nice little novelty shops in there, plus the shoppers, plus the grocery store. Mm-hmm. But traffic is worse because with all those towers, there's a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me a little bit more cautious on the roads. But so far, because again, I don't really see the people from those buildings necessarily walking around, there's not a lot of foot traffic in the area right now so mm-hmm. it's hard to say um there's the new tnt grocery store yeah that just opened up in the what's mount plaza yeah i still haven't been there i still keep on meaning to go but
0: we we kind of went spontaneously we were driving mm-hmm. past it we thought oh let's go in and have a look and and um it's quite nice in there actually
1: i've looked it's, in yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah i've never actually been in yeah it's
1: yeah it's just one of those things it's that's the thing when there are new things around i would suggest that people don't take them for granted like go in and check out these little shops and grocery stores because you never know what you're going to find Mm -hmm. like i love exploring coffee shops (laughs) and you know finding different ones and going to new ones and just um seeing what's available because you never know you could find this great little place this great little nook in fact one coffee shop I went into for the first time and I walked right into a weekly French group Ooh. that they have there. And I'm trying to learn French. Yeah. Funny. Uh, my first time in there, and well, who knows? Yeah. Um, so I do, I will absolutely be in that grocery store at some mm-hmm. point. Um, the Dairy Queen I frequent. Because there's a Dairy Queen in that. Oh, pizza. that's right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as I said, we, the first months that we were living here, because we just had a, like, the university has some temporary accommodation, so um, we were living in we- in Beacon Tower, which is just across Westmount mm-hmm. from the one that they were doing the railings of for ages. Um, I think they had to redo them as well. Um, so yeah, we used to go on, over to that plaza, and I think my wife would get my daughter something from the Dairy Queen um, periodically, so yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so right now there hasn't been I would say a lot of change in the culture
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but the summer usually tells better because okay. in the summer um, that's when a lot of uh, festivals and stuff happen the buskers the mm-hmm. jazz um, so they often close down a chunk of uh, King Street in uptown Waterloo mm-hmm. to have these festivals and Actually, with the LRT, I don't know if they can do that anymore.
0: I think the, the jazz festival, they moved to the parking lot of City Hall mm-hmm. last year because of that. Yeah. And so that'd probably be where it is from now on.
1: I think if the festivals stay, if they're able to stay, that will help kind of keep the culture of uptown.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I know in the winter they usually have the ice sculptures on Waterloo Town Square, which mm-hmm. are nice. Because mm-hmm. there is. With that square, there is a sense of community because you know sometimes there's drumming circles there, or rallies, or in sad cases vigils. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a nice meeting place mm-hmm. for people. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was really young, and I didn't live in this area. I lived in Cambridge, but traveled up here every now and then. When Waterloo Town Square was a parking lot. <laughs> right. Yeah ages ago yeah just an ugly parking lot
0: yeah I've seen pictures of that yeah Yeah. is uptown Waterloo is it gentrifying do you think
1: a little bit of a push and pull on that one because it's harder for high end businesses to make it there just due to the really high student population Mm Mm-hmm because the students like to go there. There's a couple of bars and pubs and the students like to go there. And it's hard for any business to kind of stay there long term if the students don't go. Right. But there are some high-end clothing stores along there. Um, I think they're trying to do like a mix of cultures, it feels like, in uptown Waterloo. Mm-hmm. Where there are some options, but then there's also that um, that new grocery store type thing there. I forget where it's like um, food that's near the end or something.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I forget what it's called, oh my god. Um, and there's like a little restaurant attached to it with uh, food that isn't waste food, but a lot of people would just toss away because... Right. So they're trying to like help with the food waste. It's um. It's very millennial.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm barely not a millennial.
2: <laughs> uh.
1: So I think, right now, it almost feels like they're still experimenting with what will work. Because mm-hmm. it has changed a lot, but it's still a very similar feel to when I first moved there. Mm-hmm. But they keep on moving in different things and moving them out. It's like they're trying to figure out what will work in this area. Hmm. But also there was a lot of turnover with the construction of the LRT mm -hmm. because that shut down King Street for quite some time.
0: Yeah. So where is the most visible example of gentrification in in KW, do you think? Like, where... Or is is there not one place where it's... Like, where... Where do you think it's happening?
1: I think it becomes more noticeable to me when I drive down King Street and I see all the high-rise buildings around. Mm. Because I know those high-rise buildings probably went on top of buildings like mine. And there is just so many more of those towers around. Like the skyline is completely changing.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's the sense, because... It's almost like you don't even notice them going up
2: Mm -hmm.
1: because you don't go by that area or something. And then suddenly you're driving down King Street and you just realize the street's getting darker Mm -hmm. because of all these high rises.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, So that's where I'm noticing a lot of it. But like a lot of people, I'm worried that with the LRT, that's really going to ramp things up. Mm hmm um, 'cause I've heard of people losing their businesses due to construction, mm-hmm. like some people lost business because they couldn't get customers, even though they could have technically stayed there, but then other businesses were forced to move okay. because they were in the way of the l r t
0: so the building was demolished, or the like the rents went up, or
1: um yeah, like the building had to be removed or rents went up because they're going want higher end. Mm. things there eventually mm-hmm. renovations new buildings
0: Yeah So what kind of impact I mean the LRT hasn't even opened but mm-hmm. it's already having an impact what kind of impact is it having and what kind of impact do you think it will have once it's up and running
1: For me it's more of the impact it shouldn't have Mhm Because there are a lot of like especially down King Street towards Kitchener there are a lot of not fancy apartments, like the lower-end apartments, they shouldn't be forced to move just because they're on the LRT. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like, I don't understand why it's absolutely necessary to develop all the land along the LRT. Like, to me, that doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah. Are there specific places that you're thinking of where...
1: Well, I just remember some units on King um, near where the McDonald's was. I'm pretty sure the McDonald's is still there. Mm -hmm. Or even in like the Victoria King Street intersection. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A lot of changes happened there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I often wonder why there is such a push to completely change the feel and everything when it should be a mix. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm not against development. I'm not against having more high-end apartments and stuff. It's just as long as the other people are looked after. Mm -hmm. And it's important for some of these people to have access to the LRT because they're going to need it to get around. Because it just kind of reminds me of um, Toronto where I was homeless and usually around the subway stations that's where like these big complexes would start coming up and stuff because Ooh, it's easy access to the subway because hmm. somehow poor people don't need access.
0: Mm. Yeah. And and, I was going to say, do you see parallels with with Toronto and what's happening here?
1: I do. Yeah. Because rent was really not affordable in Toronto. People starting to have to move in with each other in order to afford rent. Places get smaller and smaller. And in the meantime, more high-end stuff just keeps on seeming to go up. Mm -hmm. I remember Yorkdale Mall before the renovation. (laughs) And when I've walked into it recently, it's like insane. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like it's a very capitalistic thing that they're trying to do where it's just the bottom line is the money.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: How much money can they make? And the city officials and other people are tending to forget that they're people. You know, it's about community. Mm. Cities should be a community. And they're trying to break up these communities to make money. and they're going to run out of people that have the money Mm to go and live in these places or shop at these places.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Because 600 units, I have no idea how they're going to fill 600 units. Mm -hmm. Because there doesn't seem... Mm -hmm. Yeah, there just doesn't seem to be a lack of units available around like you always see for rent signs Mm -hmm. so it's not like there's a higher demand for units you
0: know yeah so what would you like to see happen like what what would some solutions be for
1: best case scenario i just keep my place as is Yeah.
0: yeah
1: i know that's not going to happen um I think if somehow it was just kind of mandated that if you're tearing down an apartment building, you have to replace it. Either by giving the residents in that building a unit at their current contracts, Mm -hmm. or build another affordable housing unit Mm -hmm. nearby. Mm -hmm. Because you can't just keep on taking from the pot and then not replace anything. Mm -hmm. And so... You put up an expensive luxury rental unit, okay, fine, but then you also have to put up an affordable housing unit somewhere Mm
0: -hmm.
1: just to balance things out. Mm
0: -hmm. So are we losing a lot of that affordable housing? Oh, yes. And are there any signs, anything's... being... replacing that, either new things or other things, other housing filtering down, like... Like, is there other housing that's becoming cheaper? Like?
1: Uh, re- real estate in this area has gone up
0: mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm.
1: So people looking to buy houses are struggling
2: Yeah.
1: even. So it's the real estate market in general is going up. Um, a lot of it also has to do with people buying places and then putting it on Airbnb. Mm-hmm because they can get more money that way than by actually renting it to somebody. Mm-hmm.
0: Is that is that something that's more common in Toronto? Like, is, that, is that something that we have to worry about here, do you think?
1: It's more common in Toronto, but if we keep on the trend that Toronto's at, then it's not going to be too long before that's happening mm-hmm. here. Because mm-hmm. I've heard of it, I don't know how prevalent it is in this area where people buy condos and then rent them out, mm-hmm. either f- through Airbnbs or just through regular... You know, they basically become a landlord.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And start... And you know, all the prices just start keeping going up.
0: Yeah. yeah that, that's something I'm trying to find out more about. Because, you, again, you can't really look up statistics mm-hmm. of someone who buys a place. Are they then renting it out? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to understand the the extent to which that's happening here.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm. I'd be curious to find out what the capacity is in these luxury rental units versus the capacity in the low-end rental units.
0: What do you mean by capacity? Like Like
1: How full is it?
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Um, Because where I go to tutor that woman, that one seems full, but all these luxury units always seem to have vacancies. Mm and when that's happening that should be an indication to developers in the city that maybe they're going in the wrong direction
0: unless they can make a lot of money from doing that Mm -hmm. um you know it gets to that um use value and exchange value of housing right it's value as a home and it's value as a speculative piece of investment and um at the moment that exchange value shows no signs of slowing down Mm -hmm. um but are those places being used as homes? Yeah, I don't know. Again, we don't have data on that. We don't have any way of, of you know. You can go at night and you can look at how many lights are on. Doesn't always mean you know you can be out in the evening. Mm-hmm. But um, I know um, who was it? I think it was Saskia Sassen, who's um, a sociologist. She writes a lot in the public discourse as well. She was talking about these luxury high-rises in New York that are these pencil-thin buildings, 80, 90 stories, but they're, you know, one apartment per floor kind of thing when you get up to the top. Um, and so just go look at these, You go at night and look at these buildings and they're, they're, they're dark because people treat them as any other commodity is bought and sold. They don't actually live in them.
1: And yeah, uh, that's a lot of... Um mm-hmm. The sneaky ways to money launder.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I know that's a huge problem in BC.
0: hmm
1: Where um, they get a lot of Chinese investors in properties who then don't end up living there. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's an issue so much here right now. hmm But if nothing is done to stop these trends, it's going to keep on going that way.
2: hmm
1: And again, it's just... It's the city, it's the developers putting money over people Mm -hmm. all the time.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Because, like, in a 600-unit apartment building, is it really a sacrifice to have eight units available for the people that they're kicking (laughs) out? Like, that's a tiny percentage of those units. Yeah, yeah. But they would rather have it empty than to probably rent it out to somebody who would pay less just in the off chance that eventually they fill it at full rate. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's something that I've, I've argued as, you know, solutions and, and maybe not solutions on a grand scale of, of rebalancing what housing is about, but at least you're not losing those units of housing. Like you, at at an affordable price, at least it's not a net, at least it's zero uh, rather than a net loss of, Affordable housing units, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Yeah. I
1: mean, because there's probably going to be a higher need of affordable middle class to lower class housing than there will be these luxury rentals mm -hmm. just due to the fact that wages are still stagnant. Yeah. Wages are not keeping up with inflation.
0: Yeah.
1: On um, government assistance. That's not keeping up with inflation.
0: No. no, no. I spoke to somebody who said, you know, we, when he started on ODSP ten years ago or something, it, it was not great, but it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. But those numbers haven't gone up, whereas inflation's gone up and rent has gone up hugely. So he's far worse off. You know, you could have been on eight, nine hundred dollars a month ten years ago and paid three hundred or less for a, a, a room, mm-hmm. and now you're not going to find anything really under six hundred. And the ODSP has stayed more or less the same.
1: And even for people who work full-time. Yeah. um, The last two years of my job, I didn't get a raise.
2: Yeah.
1: Even though it was supposed to be, you know, at least everyone was to get a raise to match inflation. Yeah. But we didn't get that because the business was struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, minimum wage at $14 an hour is not doable because to really impress upon that, I do an hour math with it. How many hours do you have to work at minimum wage to afford rent? Yeah. And when I've worked it out, a single parent would have to work over 50 hours a week, every week. No vacation, no sick days, Mm. nothing. Yeah. Just to pay the basics.
2: Yeah.
1: On minimum wage. Yeah. Because again, you don't get $14 an hour. There's still taxes taken off of that. Mm. And so you know, if our wages keep on staying the same, but retail keeps on, or real estate keeps on going up, like, where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to do? Yeah. And so there's almost going to be a higher need for that middle class and lower class to have more housing available unless companies want to start paying us more. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which would be ideal if minimum wage was the living wage, Mm -hmm. just to start with. Mm -hmm. But, oh no, it would hurt companies too much. Mm -hmm. You know, never mind that there's people.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for yourself, what housing options, like what, uh, what, what type of housing options would you have when you have to leave your place? Like, would it be moving further out? Would it be moving smaller unit? Like, w- what, what are some possible options in this current market, in this current climate?
1: Um, yeah, that's tricky because my next year is going to be very uh, chaotic yeah. as to what's happening. Yeah. So there's various potential outcomes. Mm-hmm. If I magically become the candidate and win, and I'm an MP, then mm. then I wouldn't really have to worry. Yeah. yeah. But I'd be fighting like hell for everyone else. Yeah. Because of how much I know what it's like. But um, there's talks with my friend who lives in my building to temporarily move in with each other until we get until everything is sorted out. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not something I want to do, mm. really. Yeah. yeah. I'm. I need my
0: my space. Sure, yeah, yeah. Comes back to what we talked about earlier mm-hmm. about housing. It's your you close the door and
1: yeah, it's my little your
0: your own place
1: no where I health. can go decompress. Yeah, just be myself. Yeah. Um. So then, basically, it would all depend on what kind of job I can get. Mm-hmm. Um, once everything kind of settles. If I can get a job that pays over twenty dollars. An hour, which I'd like to think I'm worth, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, then I can probably afford a one or two bedroom apartment.
0: In the same area?
1: Mm-hmm. So similar? Not, not necessarily right where I'm at, but yeah. in Waterloo.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, but if I can't get a job that pays that much, then I'd have to downsize or start thinking about moving out of mm-hmm. the city. Yeah because it's really hard to kind of... to be forced to downsize. Some people choose to downsize, but to be forced to downsize is really difficult to mm-hmm. start going through all your possessions and starting to think, okay, which ones am I going to sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Which ones are going to get boxed up and maybe never seen again, or which am I just going to have to donate or throw in the garbage? Yeah. And I know for me, like, a lot of the things that I own are reflections of who I am.
2: Mm
1: Like I I used to, back when I was dealing with my mental health issues, I used to not hoard but have a lot of junk that I didn't need. And about five years ago, I just did a complete purge of my apartment. (laughs) So got rid of everything that didn't have either a sentimental value, part of a pre-existing collection, or a functional use. Mm -hmm. And so right now, those are the only things in my apartment. Or things that, you know, have a very close sentiment of value to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to do collections. I have a slinky collection, Mm -hmm. as you can see by Mm -hmm. the slinky Mm -hmm. on my finger. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also love Star Trek, Star Wars. I have a bunch of that Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, I have a lot of stuff from childhood still. Mm -hmm. That's just nice, nostalgic, sentimental. Or it's functional. And... So then I'd be like, okay, so which ones of these do I start getting rid of? Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people say, oh, first world issues and stuff like that, but... The thing is, is this shouldn't have to be. Mm -hmm. This shouldn't have to be an issue. In a country like Canada, this shouldn't have to be an issue. Mm -hmm. This is a wealthy country... Nobody should be living on the streets. Yeah. Nobody should be making those sacrifices with their apartments. You know, especially if they are working full-time, if they're giving back to the community. Because, yeah, they deserve it. They've earned it. Mm-hmm. And to suddenly start saying to people, you're no longer worth that. Why in this country are we doing that? Mm-hmm. like you're no longer worth having a place to call home
0: yeah I think I've probably asked everything I want to ask I don't know if there's anything you you want to add about what's happening here and the changes and the way you you see them
1: yeah I, I don't know I think I covered a lot of what I was hoping to say yeah just yeah, a lot of the frustration with the city, with the country that this is even allowed to happen in the first place. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I liked your your sort of reflections on the way in which you can feel essentially feel displaced from a commun- from an area, from a neighborhood, even though you've got a relatively secure home, right? Mm-hmm. That everything changes around you and the community changes around you and the businesses. Uh, it was, you know, again, that's something that comes up in the the academic literature on, on gentrification and displacement, that it's not just a process of out-migration. Um, and the idea of that, you know, replacing the housing that was lost, again, it's something people don't really talk about, but because they don't talk about it, all this housing gets lost. So one of the things I'm trying to look at, and I, I'm not quite sure how I'll do this, but, um, you know, you read in the newspaper, oh, you know, two houses get knocked down to make way for a condo, and there are two rooming houses, you know, nobody sheds a tear, really, you just think, oh, well, this is progress, it's more density, it's, you know, more people moving in, it's the central, along the LRT, all this sort of stuff, so this is all great, and yes, for that one development, it's, it's two houses, and it's maybe less than 10 people who now have to move elsewhere. But then you aggregate that along $3 billion in investment in this LRT corridor, and you aggregate what's lost, and all of a sudden you're talking about a lot of houses or apartments and a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone's actually tallied up or tried to fully understand what has been lost. Mm -hmm. Everyone's focusing on what we're gaining, the new development, the new Mm -hmm. investment, the new people, the new jobs, but not paying as much attention to what has been lost. Yeah. And what's coming in isn't providing anything for the vast majority of people and, and and dwellings that have been lost.
1: Yeah. Like, that's the thing that I'm realizing with this, is like, okay, this great new development is going up, but the renters, ah, they'll just find another place. And yeah. they wash their hands of it. And it's almost like they treat renters like those old couches that are left on the curb after a move. Yeah, yeah. Like, no thought goes into, really, what happens to them. Where do they go? Yeah. Because, you know, if I do find another job, which I'm fairly sure, certain I will, mm. one way or another, I'll be okay. Yeah. But I know so many more people who won't. Yeah. And just even on top of that, yes, I'll be okay, but at the same time, I'm still losing my home. Yeah. And there's nothing that can really replace that. Yeah. And, yeah, they just constantly talk about development, but when you do add it up, it's like, where do all these people go if no other development is being made mm-hmm. to support these people?
0: Yeah. Where Where do they go?
1: Um, they move up north like my supers. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the thing. Uh, we start getting squeezed into the lower end yeah. apartment buildings. That's why their capacity or their, tends to be filled up all the time. Mm-hmm. But soon we'll start running out of that. Some of them will start trying to move in with each other. Some of them will just leave, mm-hmm. try to find places. But if you have your job here, your friends here, your networks here, here, mm-hmm. to try to give that all up just so you can afford a place to live. yeah if I didn't have my current supports if I didn't have my current job skills I don't know what I would do mm-hmm. and there are lots of people who are on fixed incomes that should something happen to their units you know they'll have to share a basement with people or something yeah. it's going about. be <clears throat> yeah,
0: yeah. What, what role do you think like subsidized housing like rent geared to income like that purpose built like, what, mm-hmm. what role does that play? Like you're obviously, you're in, not in it, you're in private market, mm-hmm. but sort of...
1: Well, that sort of, could help if the wait list wasn't three years. Yeah. Because I used to be on that wait list when I was on disability solely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that wait list helps others more than some because, you know, families are the priority, which I understand, but then if you're a single individual, especially a male... You're kind of at the bottom of that list, yeah. And so, I'm all for subsidized housing if they could actually start getting it so that it's actually meeting people, meeting the demand.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or you know, just it's a cultural shift that we need to be doing. It's it's capitalism has run amok. Mm-hmm. People's salaries have stayed down while everything has gone up in price, and it's. That has to be fixed, Mm -hmm. where people are paid living wages for their areas so that they can afford to stay because it's reaching a breaking point. There's places, there's just nowhere else to go and then we're supposed to be grateful when the government then says, oh we're doing this thing where we're helping house owners if they want to convert their basement into an apartment. And what middle-aged person who has a full-time job really wants to just move into somebody's basement Mm. after living in their own place? Yeah.
0: Yeah, you don't hold out much hope for this basement? No. Secondary suite? uh...
1: There's a lot of issues with that because then it's a matter of what the basement provides. Is there proper facilities in it? How much do you have to share with the actual house owner? How much interaction do you have to have with the house owner? Because... You know, if you don't get along, then Mm -hmm. there's issues. Parking could be an issue if you have a car.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, I'm sure there are very lovely apartments and basements. And for students and stuff, like, when I was younger, that was fine. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, if I have my family over now or, you know, my niece is spending the night or something, it's, it's not quite the same.
2: Yeah.
1: And, again, I've worked hard my entire life to get to where I'm at. At the end of it, people deserve to have a place that they can call home a real apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What do you think of the, the laneway idea? Laneway, L- laneway housing. So, um, you know, there's some houses that back onto laneways. So you could, if you've got a garage there, for example, <coughs> you could tear down the garage and put up a small unit like an auxiliary so it's not in the basement but it's still it's still you as the Mm. homeowner are adding another like a secondary suite
1: that's probably better Mm -hmm. than the basement idea yeah because at least then you would probably have your own entrance and it is actually more like your unit yeah probably better lights
0: (laughs) yes definitely yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i mean you could have windows (laughs) you could yeah you could have proper windows Yeah, my wife's from from the UK, and they don't have basements there, and she hates basements. This has no interest. It doesn't want to have another house with a basement. Um, Our basement has some minor water issues that, you know, with the freeze thaw, I think some cracks Mm got a bit bigger.
1: Um, Well, it's it's, I see this in the news, and again, it's heartbreaking for me, because it's always the people at the lower end that suffer first. Because there are lots of basement apartments in different areas, but then you see footage of areas that have flooded. Yeah. Who loses their homes first? It's the people who live in the basements, because the basements flood. Yeah. Because it's like if the water's coming into the house, it's going to go downstairs first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just general gravity. And I've seen footage of it, too, where, you know, the homeowner opens up their house and, you know, the water is right up to their first floor and you can see the stairs where it's supposed to go down into the basement.
2: Yeah.
1: And for that homeowner, it was just their basement. But how many other people, that was their apartment. Yep. Yeah. And so then everything they had would have been totally destroyed. Because yeah. usually when things start to go wrong, it's usually the people who are at the low income that suffer the brunt of it first. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's everything from my perspective. I really appreciate sharing your, both your personal experience and then your wider thoughts on, on what's happening. And um, yeah, I think it's really important information to, to understand and then also to use that to be part of the wider debates and discourses that are happening here.